Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. For copyright and disclaimers, as well as information about how to contact the iCritical Care staff, please listen to the notice at the end of this podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Savell. Our guest today is Dr. Michelle Gong, MDMS. She is currently the Director of Critical Care Research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Montefiore Medical Center here in New York City. Today we have an opportunity to speak with her uh, about her recently published article, of which she was a co-author, in Critical Care Medicine. Uh, Her major focus of research is acute lung injury, specifically focusing in on the role of hyperglycemia and insulin and diabetes, and her recent review article in Critical Care Medicine was entitled Diabetes, Insulin, and Development of Acute Lung Injury. Thank you so much, Dr. Gong, for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I was very excited to have this opportunity, and it's a very interesting area. Uh, As you obviously point out, we've been focused for the past almost decade or so now on tight glucose control and how tight the glucose control should be. And one of your areas uh, that you've been funded with uh, from the NIH is to look at the question of the relationship between glucose control, diabetes, uh, and acute lung injury. And so I thought I'd let you begin, uh, as you did in your article, to give a little bit of background for the, uh, for the members of SCCM on specifically diabetes and acute lung injury. Yeah, in it, it's when this was actually first reported by Mark Moss, actually, um, that diabetes may be protective against the development of acute lung injury. It was actually a little surprising, as you might guess. But since his initial article, the association between diabetes and a decreased risk of developing acute lung injury has been confirmed in multiple cohorts, including a large molecular epidemiology of ARDS study that I am actively involved in, as well as in the Mayo's group. And in these three different cohorts of mostly sepsis patients, diabetes was protective against the development of acute lung injury, very similar odds ratio. And more recently, actually, after the publication of this article, Ann Esplit published a, a population-based study looking at, actually, um, patients and development of acute respiratory failure and also found that diabetics were protected against acute respiratory failure, similar to what we have also found in these three separate cohorts, leading to <coughs> a a series of studies, actually, that has confirmed this particular association. And, and interestingly enough, this association also is grounded in some animal studies in which they've looked at different animal models of diabetes, both type 1 and type 2, and has also found that in these animal models of diabetes compared to the wild-type phenotype that are not diabetic, development of a lung injury is more limited and milder than in, in when exposed to, say, trauma, LPS, and so forth. I know that it's been more difficult than one would imagine to show that, for example, obesity is associated with worse outcomes in the ICU. Uh, and as you point out in your, um, in your paper itself here, that a history of diabetes has been shown to predict greater susceptibility 
to or worse outcomes with acute renal failure and trauma. And uh, maybe before we talk about uh, trying to break this down a little bit more, um, why would you even hypothesize, I guess, that there might be some advantage or, or why, would it, why would it be that diabetes might be associated with less likelihood of acute lung injury? Yeah, I'm actually not sure that when we went in looking at diabetes that we were postulating that it was going to be lead to decreased risk of developing a lung injury. Mark Mars has shown that previously, but diabetes, like a lot of other comorbid disease, is very common. It's an epidemic proportions in the developed world. And it becomes an important comorbid um, factor to consider whenever we talk about development of ARDS or other organ failure, critical illness, and outcomes in the ICU. So it actually became initially one of the factors that we thought was important in terms of describing comorbid factors. But this protective association came up repeatedly and was robust and did not you know, go away no matter how we ended up analyzing it and looking at it. And since then, actually, multiple cohorts have also confirmed this association. Now, the, this association between a, a diabetes and a protection against development of acute lung injury may not necessarily mean that diabetes is protective against mortality in the ICU. You know, there are a lot of different syndromes in the intensive care unit. And diabetic patients clearly are going to be more at risk for having certain types of infections. And that's clearly shown in the literature. But not all infections are created equal, and not everybody with infections progressed to development of acute lung injury. And that's actually an area of interest of mine, which is trying to figure out what are some of the predictors that might help us better understand why only a minority of patients, in the case of sepsis and septic shock, only about 30 to 40 percent of them end up developing acute lung injury, while the vast majority do not. Um, before I uh, talk about some of the other specifics, uh, one of the parts then that I wasn't quite sure from reading the article is I know that you know diabetes can be type 1 or type 2. D- did it matter if it was type 1 or type 2 since their underlying mechanisms may be different? Right. So that hasn't been clearly looked at, and we're actually trying to examine it. In general, the majority of patients in adult intensive care unit with diabetes are type 2 diabetics. Okay. And that's an important factor because with type 2 diabetes, it comes with it more than just the hyperglycemia, okay, or the deficiency of insulin. Insulin resistance and issues. Things like there's that. a whole lot more um, other uh, type 2 diabetes syndrome that goes with it. Well, so I thought um, I'd let you next, um, as you did in the article, focus in on the particular issue of hyperglycemia and acute lung injury. Um, It it seems like a confusing area, and maybe if you could shed a little light on your thoughts, that would be great. Certainly, there's been a body of literature that has suggested that hyperglycemia, acute and chronic, are immunomodulatory. I mean, it suppresses pro-inflammatory cytokines, raises anti-inflammatory cytokines, causes neutrophil dysfunction. And it was originally theorized that perhaps, you know, the acute hyperglycemia um, dampens the immune system and may be one reason to explain the association that we find between diabetes and decreased development of ARDS. But over the years, there have been more and more literature that actually support a pro-inflammatory component to hyperglycemia. I mean, hyperglycemia has been shown to promote pro-inflammatory cytokines as well increase um, coagulation, 
um, increased activation of NF-kappa B, all sorts of things that um, has been also implicated as important in the development of acute lung injury. And more recently, actually, a lot of work has been done with um, age and rage, uh, which has been implicated in the inflammation that is seen in the cardiovascular complications that come from diabetes. And more recently, the ARDSNET have identified um, age and rage to be predictive of the lung injury score as well as poor outcomes in their ARDS patients in the ARDSNET study. And indeed, in the molecular epidemiology of ARDS study, when we looked at the um, relationship between glucose and um, development of ARDS, we found not unexpectedly that diabetic patients are more likely to be hyperglycemic, and higher glucoses predict worse outcomes in the intensive care unit. But there was no difference in the glucose between those patients who develop ARDS and who did not develop ARDS. And in spite of not having a difference in terms of the glucose, diabetes still remained predictive uh, or, or protective against the development of acute lung injury, suggesting that there's maybe something more than just glucose. So the diabetes and, and the hyperglycemia did, did not travel in parallel when you were That's looking at these, at these factors. That's correct. And when we look at it, you know, a large number of patients in the intensive care unit are hyperglycemic. Um, so acute hypoglycemia in itself cannot necessarily explain this entire association. Could chronic um, hypoglycemia? Certainly that could be, but we haven't actually had studies that examine, say, hemoglobin A1C to see how degree of, of, hyper, of chronic hypoglycemia there may be. And to further complicate this issue, we all know that actually there's a lot of patients out there who have undiagnosed diabetes. And so I, I think, you know, as we're sort of uh, resummarizing before we move forward, I think an important point that you've mentioned is that there appears to be a reproducible, clear signal that is an association between the presence of diabetes and you are less likely to develop the acute respiratory distress syndrome, but it doesn't change our perception as physicians of diabetes as a bad thing and diabetes being associated with poor outcomes overall. And, and your point, I, I think, is that there's an interesting uh, mechanistic link there that has to be there between the presence of diabetes and the development of acute lung injury. Is that a reasonable statement? Yes, and I'm not, I'm not proposing that diabetes is protective um, in all critical illness. It's clearly not. Um, but what we have found, and it has been validated, is this interesting association um, that leads us to investigate it further. There are not that many things out there that seems to be a protective factor against the development of organ failures like acute lung injury. And further investigations of why that might be may give us a better indication of what can be done to try to decrease the development of acute lung injury. Um, the, the next phase of the podcast, which I um, hope we can spend a little time on, which I thought was really, from my perspective, some of the most fascinating part of your, of your review article was this metabolic, non-hyperglycemic features of diabetes uh, and acute lung injury, ARDS, focusing in on some of the, as you point out, uh, issues relating to diabetes, but not hyperglycemia. So if you'd like to take a few minutes and perhaps share some of this with the members of SCCM, that yeah. would be great. 
So as we talked about, most of the patients that we see in the uh, intensive care unit are actually type 2 diabetes. And with that, there's not just hypoglycemia. There's insulin resistance. There's dyslipidemia. There's often obesity and metabolic syndrome. And more interestingly enough, there's been now a body of literature that have linked many of the non-glycemic factors of diabetes to development of acute lung injury. So the par-gamma um, and insulin growth factor, one, are one couple of examples of that. Um, both par-gamma and insulin growth factors are heavily implicated in type 2 diabetes and are responsible not only for insulin resistance, but also dyslipidemia um, and uh, other features of the metabolic syndrome. More recently, actually, there have been both clinical in vivo studies Okay, looking at IBAL fluids of patients with acute lung injury, and in animal models that have shown that both par-gamma and insulin growth factor to be important in the development of acute lung injury. Okay. Um, in animal knockouts, knockout models of par-gamma actually seems to be more susceptible to developing acute lung injury, and treatment with an agonist actually seems to decrease the development of acute lung injury in those animals. Likewise, proteinomics have indicated an insulin growth factor one in acute lung injury in, in patients, as well as animal models of insulin growth factor have indicated variable development of acute lung injury. So all of which indicates that you know, there may be non-glycemic metabolic connections between diabetes and inflammation and the development of acute lung injury. And so I was wondering if you could take a few minutes and talk, so uh, if I got this right, so rosiglitazone is a uh, PPAR agonist, That's uh, peroxisome proliferator activated receptor gamma agonist. Mm -hmm. And that's what you were referring to in some of the animal studies? That's right. So in some of the animals, in series of, there, there is an animal model of diabetes that is actually a PAR gamma knockout. And these mice actually um, have evidence of greater lung injury um, after, I think, LPS induction, and greater release of inflammatory cytokines, and greater histologic injury. And treatment of these animals with a par-gamma agonist seems to ameliorate some of that. And so as you, just to, again, summarizing and keeping it simple, that this when the levels uh, in these models of this uh, PPAR gamma are elevated, the acute lung injury appears to be decreased mm -hmm. or less likely to develop it. And it's the opposite for insulin-like growth factor one. When those That's levels right. are up, the uh, likelihood of developing acute lung injury goes up. Right. And interestingly enough, diabetic patients seem to have more elevated circulating levels of IGF-1. And so these, two, uh, I would imagine from your perspective, these are sort of two key pathways in terms of further research areas and things like that? Those are two of several potential research avenues that indicate that there are these potential links. And we've, we're also, over the years, not only in literature in critical care medicine, but also in diabetes, cardiovascular medicine, a greater link and understanding between metabolism and inflammation. They are tightly linked. And inflammation seems to be responsible for a lot of the complications that we see with the metabolic syndromes. That's chronic inflammation. What's less has been less done is look at acute inflammation and how that might relate with metabolism. 
So those are only two examples of some of those areas um, that could be interesting to look at further from a research point of view for better understanding because we do have par gamma agonists. Available. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, and, and I don't know how far away it is, but are, is it at the stage that people are considering looking at that in humans f- for for preventing acute lung injury? Or I think that then more work needs to be done before that can be ready. But we and others are actually looking at some of these questions and looking at you know cohort studies, looking to see whether or not certain diabetic medications, um, and it's not just the oral hypoglycemics. Diabetics are more likely to be treated with, say, statin and ACE inhibitors because of the diabetic um, complications okay, of the cardiovascular disease. Interestingly enough, also statins and ACE inhibitors have also been found in animal studies to decrease lung injury. So how much of what we're seeing between the um, association of diabetes and development of lung injury is due to diabetes? the disease entity itself, how much of it is due to some of the confounding factors associated with diabetes, um, what dif- differentiates a person from, with diabetes from some who do not have diabetes, a lot of times is treatment. Diabetic patients tend to be on certain treatments, and they're recognized as diabetics, and they're being treated for it. And it just so happens that a lot of these medications have also been found to have important anti-inflammatory actions and may actually be one of the reasons why they're effective in cardiovascular disease. So if you're like looking at a database of the diabetics, they'll be on these different meds and that might be some of the reasons of the outcome differences potentially. Exactly. And so these are also other avenues that are um, active investigations right now. Um, Uh, I thought we'd let you next talk about uh, a complex area, and I'm going to actually read one of your paragraphs and then let you comment. This is focusing on another confusing area. You know, we've talked about, so first we talked about diabetes, then we talked about hyperglycemia, then we talked about non-hyperglycemic issues, and finally the issue of insulin. And again, it's a very, very interesting area given all of the talk consistent talk about the role of insulin in the critically ill patient. So I'm going to read in your section here. However, it is difficult to know whether insulin may be detrimental or beneficial in diabetes. We now understand that the balance of pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory responses is important in the development and resolution of acute lung injury. If diabetes is protective in acute lung injury because of chronic anti-inflammatory effects, then reversal of this by insulin may negate any beneficial effect of diabetes on acute lung injury. Alternatively, if insulin reverses the chronic immunosuppressive effects of diabetes and restores the balance in inflammatory response that should be seen after direct pulmonary injury, such as pneumonia, then insulin may be potentially beneficial. More studies are needed to determine the context by which insulin is detrimental or beneficial in acute lung injury. In addition, because the majority of diabetic patients in the ICU have type 2 diabetes, studies involving animal models of type 2 diabetes are needed to determine the effects of insulin in this setting. And so I thought I'd give you a few minutes just to uh, spread that out a little bit, if you'd like. (laughs) So, yes, there's a lot of controversy about the use of insulin in the intensive care unit on patients with critical illness. But one of the controversies that often comes out is which patient population, okay? And 
And part of the benefit of all the controversy and all the studies that have come out looking at glucose control, use of insulin in intensive care unit, is that there have been a lot of studies examining the effect of insulin in critical illness. And in addition to the glucose effect of insulin, insulin is now recognized to have a lot of non-glycemic anti-inflammatory actions. Glucose can decrease the amount of pro-inflammatory cytokines, rebalance the pro- and anti-inflammatory cytokine um, profile, if you like, decreases leukocytohesion, um, promotes NF-kappa, uh, modulates NF-kappa-B, modulates coagulation, all of which actually has been implicated in the development of acute lung injury. Um, and indeed, there are actually animal models in which um, insulin has been found to decrease the development of acute lung injury, whether the model was a sepsis from intravascular LPS or intraperitoneal LPS or trauma. And in some of these studies, there was a dose-dependent effect. Having clamping the glucose at the same level, at higher doses of insulin, you get greater reduction in the amount of histologic lung injury score, amount of inflammatory cytokines that are produced. But clinical studies are actually still lacking, okay, to see whether or not insulin in a particular, this particular patient population, so those patients at risk for developing acute lung injury, may potentially be beneficial or not. Um, we use insulin. Insulin of all the medications that we use, give patients with diabetes, insulin is the one that is most commonly continued in the intensive care unit and is actually the most common drug used to manage diabetes right now. Given that we use it so frequently and commonly in the ICU and there's just still a lack of understanding about which patient population may most benefit, it's important to actually understand some of these other effects of insulin and its relation, potential relationships, such as the development of acute lung injury in these uh, patient populations. So it is, it is not as clear as something like the PAR, PPAR, PAR, PAR antagonist, PAR gamma antagonist, uh, PAR gamma agonist, that insulin is uh, the, the role of it for acute lung injury. It is not clear yet. The, the bottom line as of 2009, is that although there is an association between being having diabetes and being less likely to develop acute lung injury, the role of insulin in that is not clear. The role of insulin or of the PAR-gamma, okay, or of the ACE inhibitor and statins are all actually under active investigations right now, and none of them, right, there are discussions about having, you know, statins um, in a trial, uh, but, and plans for so. But all of this actually are under active investigation, and more needs to be done, actually, to see whether or not some of these agents and insulin, because actually it is so commonly used and so well studied and has actually very well described you know, immunomodulatory effects, needs to be better studied to see whether or not there may be a relationship between insulin therapy and the subsequent development of acute lung injury. And how that might differ, depending on whether a patient has diabetes or not. Do you have a, I mean, we're sort of heading to the conclusion of the podcast, and I was going to let you conclude with the way you did in the paper talking about 
um, some clinical implications and, and future research areas. And maybe you can start out by talking about what you think uh, insulin will be in all this, given the just intense controversy about it in other areas of the ICU. Yeah. So there's going, I think there's a need for a much greater amount of studies to better understand why diabetes may be associated with a decrease of developing acute lung injury. And the studies going to have to be multidisciplinary and what I call like to call backwards and forwards translation, meaning it's going to be have to have some basis in animals models and animal studies, not looking looking not only at diabetes itself, the disease entity, but some of these other co-founders of the diabetic medications, insulin, for example, pargam agonists, and some of these others, as well as well phenotyped clinical studies in which we clearly define what acute lung injury is, not always so clearly defined in some studies, as well as diabetes, you know, what medications are on and account for it. And it's going to be a, have to be a multidisciplinary approach among critical care physicians, as well as among endocrinologists, molecular biologists, epidemiologists. And it's this kind of a, an approach that ultimately, I think, will give us a better understanding of why diabetes may be protective against development of acute lung injury in which particular population, okay, and under which particular environmental insults. Um, but in all these studies, I think we also have to pay a better attention to timing. When we talk about development of acute lung injury, because development of acute lung injury is occurs rapidly within hours to first few days of presenting with critical illness such as sepsis, we also have to pay attention to how these studies are done in relationship to the timing of the initial insult and the subsequent development of acute lung injury. Um, there, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. I think there's a lot going on out there um, that will help us better understand some of these factors that predicts for the development of acute lung injury. And, and, and what's exciting to me is, is that a better understanding of how to risk stratify these patients and what may be predictive may ha- give us a better understanding of what we can do to actually prevent development of critical illnesses like acute lung injury. I think what's absolutely fascinating about what you're doing is you're taking two very important diseases, very important syndromes, that the average clinician sort of has an intuitive feeling for, and yet when you start to drill down the mechanisms of both and the interrelationship between the two can be incredibly complex, and as you point out, it allows you to sort of tease out the mechanisms of both as you're finding these connections and pathways and associations, and what I also think is incredible is the way, as you point out, you can go back and forth and use um, different tools. One minute you're using uh, um, outcomes research, looking at a database, trying to connect these two, finding some signals, and then maybe going all the way back to some basic science to work out some more pathways. And that's why I really thought this was an incredible opportunity. I'm very grateful for you speaking with me today. And I want to thank you for the opportunity to actually speak to you and to the audience of SCCM about my work. Thank you. We've been speaking today with Dr. Michelle Gong. She is Director of Critical Care Research at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, Montefiore Medical Center. We've been speaking with her about her area of research and focus in her career uh, currently, which is the relationship between diabetes and acute lung injury in the critically ill patient. Thank you so much. Thank you. This concludes another edition of the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.icriticalcare for more information, as well as full access 
to over four years of archived podcasts. For the Eye Critical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Richard Savell. The Paragon Critical Care Quality Implementation Program offers hospitals an unparalleled opportunity to benefit from the experiences of peer leaders dedicated to critical care performance improvement. Through the use of engaging tools provided by SCCM and others, Paragon utilizes a combination of self-assessment, teleconferences, site visits, peer collaboration, consulting, and coaching to help hospitals develop high-functioning critical care teams. Hospitals interested in becoming a Paragon participant to positively transform their critical care units should contact Lori Harmon, RRT, MBA, Paragon Critical Care Manager, at 1-847-493-6403 or via email at lharmon at sccm.org. The iCritical Care Podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is the Society's Associate Editor for Podcasts, Richard Savell, MD, FCCM. Dr. Savell is the Medical Co-Director of the Surgical Intensive Care Unit at Montefiore Medical Center in New York City practicing under the leadership of Vladimir Kavetin, MDFCCM. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.